Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us today. And today we're going to talk about attention-seeking behavior. Oh, I love that. Yes. And people practice attention-seeking behaviors, but we're not talking about them Kim. today. <laughs> oh, shut up. Yes. <laughs> what we're talking about today are dogs and their attention-seeking behaviors. All the little things that they do to get our attention that end up manifesting in other ways. And, you know, sometimes we pay attention to it and sometimes we don't. And then the behaviors go on and on and perpetuate. And they can take a variety of different forms. Oh, yes. Barking can be an attention-seeking behavior. pawing at you. Jumping up. Hitting you with their nose, whether it's like a little muzzle nudge or the kind of dog that your hand is sitting there. And he comes up and he starts flipping your hand up with his nose so that you'll reach out and pet him. To try to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And you had brought up one earlier uh, when we were talking about this, about dogs who take their toys or their balls and put them so that they can't get them? Right. So that they then have to ask you to get them? Right. Which I is had a good attention-seeking behavior. Oh, it is. It is. And it works. And yes. I had a client once who had just bought this brand-new bed set. It was beautiful. And the bottom of it was all wood, and there was just enough room for a tennis ball to get underneath there. <laughs> and they told me, they said, well, you know, we keep having to go in there and get the ball out from underneath the bed because, of course, the dog, in playing with his ball one day after they get this bedroom set, figures out the ball goes under the bed. So what does he do? He starts to scratch at this gorgeous teak wood or whatever it was to get the ball out from under the bed. And what happens? They immediately come running in there. No, 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 don't scratch at the bed. Here, we'll get the ball for you. And they fight. Yes, of course. And then every time they were ignoring the dog, he would purposely in the whole house, that happened to be the only place where he got the ball stuck. Right. Wouldn't you know it? Right. Dogs will drop them in the pool, too. Yes. That's another really common one. Yeah. It's like kids who, you know, they're eating at a high chair, and they throw their spoon off of the high chair because it gets your attention. You pick it up, and you say, silly kid, and you put the, you know. To make mom walk across the kitchen and pay attention. Right. Dogs will just do a bunch of different things as attention-seeking behavior, and oftentimes the most effective attention-seeking behaviors are the ones that are that look accidental. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yes. Like getting... Oh, but he didn't do it on purpose. Maybe not the first time. <laughs> the first time, it was an accident, but what did he learn that first time? After he learned how effective it was, he said, hey, right, I could do this. Right. So like my clients with the bed, the first time it happened, instead of taking it out and giving it back to the dog, what would have been very effective is to take it out and put it in a drawer. Put it away. Yeah. Even though it was accidental. Mm-hmm. So actually most people would say, oh, well, that's mean. But the truth is that would then not turn it into an attention-seeking behavior. Right. Because it probably was accidental the first mm-hmm. time. And even if they didn't, even if the first time they got it for the dog and then they started recognizing that it was coming up as a pattern, then they start putting it away. Right. P- taking it out of there and putting it away. Dogs will frequently practice attention-seeking behaviors when you are busy. Oh, yes. How many people do you know who, when they get on the phone, the dog starts barking? Yeah, kids do this, too. Yeah. (laughs) Barking? Well, no, kids practice attention-seeking behavior when mom gets on the phone. Right. And that's the same thing that dogs do. They'll bark or they'll have to go outside. Yes. I have to go out right now. Or they will just act up in a variety of manners, and it's just about getting you to pay attention to them. Right. Another 
really common time for a dog to act that way is when you get busy doing work. Yeah, Whether because again, you're ignoring the dog, and how can the dog get you to pay attention to him? Right. Anything that you're engrossed in that doesn't seem like it has to do with your dog can bring out the attention-seeking hound in your little, in your sweet little fluffy. Yes. But it isn't necessarily limited to when you get busy. Sometimes you could just be sitting watching TV. Mm -hmm. Your dog will practice some of his best attention-seeking behaviors. Right. Again, that coming up and nuzzling you with his nose, and it kind of goes back to uh, another pause cast that we did where you said, is your dog asking or is he demanding? Right. And so if you're sitting there ignoring the dog and the dog comes up and muzzles you, you know, hits you with his muzzle and tries to flip your hand up over his head so that you'll reach over and start petting him. If you don't start petting him, what happens? Where does the dog go? What does he do? Well, I think it actually starts before that. I think the dog that comes over and rests his head lightly on your knee could be practicing attention-seeking behavior right. or could be being demanding because you can't tell by what he's doing now mm -hmm. if he's if being demanding or not. It's what he does next. Right. If you ignore it, if you don't respond to it, how far is he going to push it? That'll tell you whether or not he's being demanding. Right. And, you know, we're not saying that you have to 100% all the time ignore your dog when he's, you know, when he's doing that because some dogs, that's as far as they'll take it is coming up and resting their head on your knee or touching you with their nose and then um, my dog Sherman would do this. I'd be sitting here and he'd come up and touch me with his nose and I'd reach out and pet him. You know what? I don't care because that was as far as he would take it. I had very good control over him and the rest of his life and he didn't take advantage of it anywhere else. And so it didn't bother me. Well, and so if you, you didn't and choose. Okay. And if you didn't reach out and touch him, he would let it go. Yeah. That's the key. See, it's not about whether or not you can touch your dog. It's about whether or not you can not touch your dog. Yeah. It's about whether or not you can stay involved in what you're doing currently mm -hmm. and not drop what you're doing and pay attention to the dog. That's what tells you whether or not a dog is being demanding. So I agree with you. If you have a dog that comes over and asks for attention and when you don't give it, they walk away, then that's do not a dog that's being demanding. Right. He's seeking attention. Yeah. But it's truly a question. Right. He's truly asking for attention. He's not demanding. We're, I think, focusing a little bit more on dogs that become demanding. Right. I just didn't want to make it seem like we were such sticklers that you can't pay attention to your dog. Don't pay attention to your dog. I, yeah. Don't pay attention to your dog, I said. <laughs> No, okay, how about I don't pay attention to you for Don't one. pay attention to your dog. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll live. Hey, listen, I don't need your attention. I'll find it elsewhere. <laughs> yes, and you will. Okay, so uh, another way that a dog might get attention-seeking, and people really might not recognize it as attention-seeking, is self-mutilation. Yes, definitely. You, you have a dog that's recently... Yeah, something. he has started. He's my oldest dog, and he only does it when he's in my office with me, and he'll start licking his front paws. It drives me bananas. If I put him in another room, he won't do it, but if I'm sitting in here with him, he'll do it. And I know, I know how difficult it is to ignore. I know how difficult it is to avoid, and I know how difficult it is to get rid of. And it really takes a lot of determination to ignore it or get up and walk out of the room or do the opposite of what it is he wants. Because even if you tell your dog, stop that, you are still paying attention. Right. You know, I went, still works. Yeah. I went to a seminar once with a veterinary behaviorist, and he showed us a videotape of a dog who had come in for a consultation. And the woman had complained about the dog licking her lips after she ate, like just constantly walking around, licking her lips after she was eating. Just And, of course, she had to videotape what was going on at home. And then they brought her in, and they had tried to tell her, 
just ignore it, turn around and walk away. And she says, but it doesn't matter. The dog still does it. And the woman was yelling at the dog, you know, stop it, stop it, stop it. And the dog is walking around licking her lips and licking her lips. And it was more like a big nose lick as opposed to just lip licking for stress or Mm -hmm. for anxiety. Mm -hmm. And... So they videotaped this woman. They fed the dog in a room with that with the woman there. The dog did it. They pulled the woman out of the room, fed the dog. The dog didn't do it. Right. Because it was specific to her because he knew that that worked with her. Right. And so. But also, if the woman was that stressed and that anxious about the dog lip, licking her lips and her yelling at the dog, then that causes anxiety and stress in the dog, and lip licking is a stress signal for a dog. Well, I was just going to say, part of the problem with self-mutilization or those kinds of behaviors is even if they start out as uh, attention-seeking behaviors, a lot of times they become neurotic behaviors. Yes. Or they become they become something that actually takes on a life of its own, whether it's physical or mental. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes, like licking their paws, they can actually cause the paws to start to itch, and then they'll continue licking their paws. Well, yeah, and not only that, but it releases endorphins, and then it can, can become a self-reinforcing behavior because then the dog gets high off of it. Right. So how, how strict are you, first of all, about attention-seeking behavior? With my own dogs? No. <laughs> with clients? With my husband? <laughs> no, I'll ask him that. No. <laughs> With your client dog. Quit trying to avoid this. Um, with my client dogs, it depends on really how pushy the dog is. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I met a dog the other day that has also started tail chasing. He was He's a dog from a rescue organization, and he's in a foster home. And when he was kenneled, before he went into the foster home, he had started chasing his tail. Mm-hmm. And what I saw when I was over there the other day, he was doing a lot of attention-seeking behavior, and I told her to ignore it. And as soon as she started ignoring it, he started chasing his tail. Aha. Uh-huh. And so for me, that wasn't necessarily attention-seeking behavior. Of course, the pushy, obnoxious jumping up on her and pawing at her before that was attention-seeking behavior. But when she ignored it, which he probably isn't used to, mm-hmm. he started chasing his tail out of frustration mm-hmm. or displacement behavior. But if she responds to that, and it's been linked on it to all this other attention-seeking uh-huh. behavior. Right. Then It'll become a pattern because then, sure. then if she jumps in and tries to stop him, then, oh, that's how I get your attention. The jumping up, the pawing at you, the barking at you didn't work to get your attention, but this tail chasing did. Right. Aha, now I know. Right. And it can become a problem. The problem with dogs that are really demanding is that it won't stop there. I think I'm fairly, um, I mean, you know what, everybody makes a decision about what they want to see out of their dog. And so with my clients, I try to get them to not be terribly tolerant of attention-seeking behavior. I think that the problem with it is that when the dog starts to realize that he can call the shots, that bleeds into other behaviors. Absolutely. And then he becomes less likely to think that they're the ones who should make the decisions about other things. Because he clearly can make them do things when he wants them to, right? Like pay attention to him. Yeah. And so for me, I, I'm sort of a stickler about that with people. Mm-hmm. And it is why one of the first questions I ask people when they have a dog that I think is being pushy is, you know, if your dog comes up and he lays his head lightly on your lap, is he asking or is he demanding? Because I think it's really important that people realize that the problem with attention-seeking behavior is only when it becomes demanding. Yeah. But... It's demanding if they're not willing to take no for an answer. Yeah. 
And I think that's a really good way to put it. That's a really good definition for it. So it doesn't matter how nice or how palatable they go about it to begin with. It's demanding if they won't take no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they won't take no for an answer. So do you have any other instances of dogs with interesting? Because I know you've seen some interesting attention-seeking stuff. I have. Okay, so this one is personal. My dog Chip, mm -hmm. who I got, he had been in the shelter for a year and a half, and he was in there from the time he was about six months old. And so... Here's my dog that I've only had for a few days. He's out in the backyard barking. And this is how I inadvertently reinforced this dog for this behavior. Ooh, I know. We're catching her. Okay. We're, and, and working in another one of our topics, <laughs> by the way. So if this interests you, you can go back and listen to the, to the inadvertent reinforcement podcast. So he's outside barking. And I go to the door and I go, hey, knock it off. Come here. And he comes in. And guess how shocked I was that he came in. Yay, so you made a big good deal. boy. Yeah. I did. I made a big party for his recall. Right. And what did I do? I ended up training him to go outside and bark. Single event learning. This dog, because I made a big party when he came in, two days later he's out in the backyard barking, and by the time I get downstairs and I'm walking through the living room and I can see through the back door, he's out there barking, and he barks a couple of times and turns around and looks towards the back of the house. Right. Looks towards the windows. Is she there yet? Is she there yet? And then he stands around, dances around, barking a little bit. Not at anything in particular. Right. And the first time I know he was barking at a squirrel up in the tree. Right. But there was no squirrel up in the tree. I had plenty of time to look, and there's nothing up there. He barks a couple of times, looks at the back of the house. Is right. she coming yet? Is she coming yet? No? Here, I'll bark some more. And as soon as he sees me through the window, he puts on a happy face and comes running, going, Hey, wasn't that good? And Didn't now, I do exactly the same thing you paid me for the other day? Right. And now this is how I'm going to get not only your attention, but I'm going to get a tasty treat out of this, yeah. you bet. Yeah. Yeah. And so because it's so easy to teach mm -hmm. attention-seeking behavior, because it's so easy to reinforce it, inadvertently reinforce yeah. attention-seeking behavior, I think people don't realize it's a problem when they're doing it at a low level or at a, at a less extreme level. Right. And so it's not until it becomes screamingly inconvenient, right. <laughs> and sometimes that can involve screaming, dog mm -hmm. screaming, that people start to respond to it and realize we have a problem here. Right. And now he's attention-seeking. And then what happens, what I find happens sometimes when I go to work with people who have a dog that's very pushy is they are only wanting to correct the very overt, super pushy behavior. And they don't realize that if you let him push at a low level, at a more palatable, when it's not so annoying, like coming up and putting his head on your knee, but he's not going to take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. If you let him push at that level, then it will just escalate. Yeah. It will just escalate. So that, And when you will see that escalation is not necessarily when you're sitting and you can, re and you can respond to that very gentle approach. Right. When he's going to go to the next level and higher and higher and higher is when you're busy, which is the least convenient time to be able to deal with the behavior. Well, and because of that, that makes us more likely to reinforce it just to shut them up. Absolutely. We're on the phone. We're on the computer. We're doing something important. The dog does the attention-seeking behavior. It's like, fine, here, just go away. Absolutely. In fact, I know that I mentioned this in another podcast, but I used to live with somebody who, when his dog would jump on the sliding glass door because it really bugged him. Mm-hmm. He would run out and let the dog in because mm -hmm. that was trying to make him stop. Yeah. Well, obviously it didn't. It just right. reinforced the behavior. It was attention-seeking behavior. The and dog this was said, a trainer, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you keep getting that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but yes, it's 
it was attention-seeking behavior. He said, and you know what? This works really, really well because I know what happens. But dogs will also learn to watch you. That's why it seems like they only do it when you're on the phone or when you're busy. They'll learn to watch what you're doing, and they know that you are more likely to respond to that attention-seeking behavior. And so they can learn when to interject that attention-seeking behavior, when that's the most effective. Right. A dog that you're working with or a client that you're working with who's working with their dog sometimes learns that when they're working with the dog, they shouldn't respond to that. So the dog will get really smart at, at watching the owner and will say, well, they just seem to be concentrating on me right now, so clearly this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. It does not mean, however, that the next time they get on the computer or get on the phone with somebody, that the dog doesn't go back to that behavior because they know that they are more likely to get a reaction. Right. Right. And even if that reaction is yelling at the dog. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times it happens when just as soon as the phone rings. You don't even have to pick up the phone to dial. It's when the phone rings the dog learns to bark. Mm-hmm. because he knows that then as soon as the phone rings, you pick up the phone and you are now not going to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. And you're also more likely then to just give him a bully stick or something to chew on to keep him busy while you're on the phone. Now, attention-seeking behavior doesn't have to be something as overt as barking or pawing at you. It can also be body language. Sure. You know, and the dogs can learn to adopt a certain demeanor or uh, physical body posture that then gets your attention. Yeah. I always say dogs can can act. They learn how to act. Yes. Yeah. When I was working, um, doing some movie work, we had a dog in the kennel who used to fence fight with with the dog next door. You told this story in another podcast. You have. I think this one is an inadvertent reinforcement. Yeah. And I think that that this is about a dog that learned to act like he was hurt long after he he was better. I just don't want to repeat it for people who have listened to that, but if you want to hear the story, it is in that podcast. But this is a dog that learned to continue to act as if he was injured Long after he had gotten better. Right, because we'd pick him up and go, oh, poor baby, poor baby. And so dogs can also learn to act miserable. Yes. They can learn to act, they can learn to limp. They can learn to act like something is really traumatic to them. And sometimes when I go to work with people who have dogs that act like something is a big trauma, and they'll say, oh, I think he was abused. And I say, you know, don't ever make that assumption. Right. Unless there are much more overt signs than this. Because a lot of times dogs learn that a particular body language will earn them attention. It's mm-hmm. attention-seeking behavior. And so they practice it. But I have a cute one for attention-seeking behavior. Okay. Honestly, we're sort of we're running towards the, I think, towards the end of this. But i got to get this in there. Um, my Staffy Bull bug learned the cutest attention-seeking behavior in the whole world. I'm sure this happened at one point, and I wasn't even aware of it. And I'm sure it happened accidentally. But the phone rang. My phone rang. And he had a... Uh, chew toy that was a cell phone and it would ring uh-huh. and so he learned that when my phone would ring and I would go get on the phone he would go pick up his that particular toy his cell phone which would ring which would always get a reaction yeah because it was cute it yeah. was really really cute and you know usually somebody would say to me oh is that your other line do you need to get that so you mean when he would bite it instead of a squeak it would ring it would ring oh yes. that's funny it was his cell phone it was his stuff i mean that was his favorite toy in the whole world and i'm sure because it got such a great reaction yeah but honestly it was like clockwork my phone would ring and at first of course i thought okay well it's because it rings and it and it that may well might have been what happened maybe right. the phone rang and it did remind him of his cell phone and it got him to do it but after that i'm sure it just became attention seeking right. behavior because it always got a big 
right. you know, reaction from me. But this also brings up a good point is that, you know, not all attention-seeking behavior is bad or we can use attention-seeking behavior as something good. Very good point. So, like, let's say you have a dog that greets enthusiastically at the front door and might be a little bit mouthy. Mm-hmm. So instead of paying attention to the dog for the enthusiastic greeting and the mouthiness, we can say we can put a toy in the dog's mouth and really make a big deal over the dog because he's got a toy in his mouth. Right. And now the dog, as soon as you walk in the door, he goes, oh, my God, where's my toy? Where's my toy? And then he picks up a toy, and we make a big deal out of the fact that he has a toy in his mouth. My little poodle to this day, as soon as somebody walks in, she grabs her blanket and brings it to them. Mm-hmm. Because that has become her attention-seeking behavior, and it's not pushy, it's not obnoxious, it's very cute. Mm-hmm. People love it, and it's a way to keep her from jumping up on them and doing other obnoxious attention-seeking behaviors. Well, actually, you could take that a step further and say most conditioned responses are attention-seeking behavior. The dog has learned that he's going to get something that he wants. Mm-hmm performing that event. So if you've taught your dog to sit or you've taught your dog to do something and you've rewarded them, Mm -hmm. then they use that as the old attention-seeking behavior. And pretty much almost all behaviors kind of take that. Right. If you wanted to look at it, you could look at it through that screen. Right. But basically all behaviors that a dog learns buys them a particular response is like learned attention-seeking behavior. Right. Which is why it's really important, which brings up another good point. It's very important that if you've taught your dog something as a behavior that you want to see again, Mm -hmm. and if you think about it as being an attention-seeking behavior, it's very important that you respond to the behavior that's a positive. Because I think a lot of times when people are training dogs, they tend to respond when the dog does something negative, right? But they forget about the positive. Yeah, we ignore the stuff that we sh- we. It's kind of like we're we're really stingy, and we don't want to reinforce the dog or reward the dog for doing what he was supposed to do in the first place. Why should I pay attention to that? Because that's what he should have been doing the whole time. Well, and I don't even know that it's. Uh, it probably is. I there know are probably that it are. Is. Oh, she's getting there. Uh, (laughs) There probably are people who are stingy about it, but I think that it's equally probably valid that people just get to the point where because they expect it, Mm -hmm. it they no longer take notice. In the beginning when they're first teaching it, they take notice of it because it's something different and it's a big deal. Right. And certainly they take notice of really pushy behavior that becomes a problem because it's a problem. Because it's annoying. It's, It's an inconvenience. Yeah. But when the dog does the right thing, I think that a lot of times in addition to, you know, possibly being stingy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Such a view of people you have. Um, but in addition to that, I think that people just don't notice. They're involved in their own lives. Yeah. They're involved in what they're doing, and they just don't notice those things. So if you start thinking about attention-seeking behavior and about learned behaviors being that, it really lends validity to the idea that you should be acknowledging what you see that you want to see again. Right. If you teach the dog, yes, that will get my attention. Mm -hmm. Doing the right thing will get my attention. Yeah, lying down, being quiet on your bed is the best thing in the world. That's what's going to get me your attention instead of jumping and flying around the furniture and chewing on something you're not supposed to chew on. Absolutely. It'll work wonders. Right. Because you do the same thing. Instead of your dog chewing on your shoe, which then gets your attention, whenever he has his own toy in his mouth, is that your toy? Oh, let me see your toy. That's what gets your attention. And so the same thing could be said about, let's say, the attention-seeking behavior on the telephone, okay? Why not just be 
let's go back to the proactive one now. Right. Why not just be proactive? We did a podcast about it. Go back preemptive to training. Really good. Preemptive training. But why not just be proactive and say, okay, the phone rang, and I know this. I'm going to grab a bully stick and give it to my dog because he is not pushing for my attention right now and reward this right now before he mm-hmm. starts to get pushy. Yeah. Now he learns, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to be pushy. In fact, being relaxed was good. Then mm-hmm. you start pushing that out to a longer period of time. Right, because once you're in the situation, once you're on the phone and the dog starts barking, what are you going to do? Go stand in a closet to finish your phone call? Right. It's very difficult. That's the reason that people reinforce it, because they just don't know what else to do. They right. are, they have lives, and they're busy, and they have things that they need to do, and they don't have time to deal with it. Yeah. So step in beforehand. That's all we have to say about attention-seeking behavior. That's all? For very much. Next for now. <laughs> Trust me, we'll get back to it. In the meantime, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. This is Kim with Faint Misbehaving Canine. And Laura from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening.